know, dug it out out of my bookshelf and you know, had a had, had a look, and it was fun to you know, Forrest told me you know to talk about chapter two of association. It was fun to uh, you know just to revise that and, and look at look at my little handwritten notes that I wrote you know some some time ago. And uh, but uh, but it's a, it's a great book. It's a classic, you know. And uh, the language is a little bit old fashioned because it first came out when I was two years old. Okay, so when I was two years old, most of you were just a notion in somebody's in God's mind, right? But uh, uh, but 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 it is awesome. Let, let's have a look. Let's start off in, in Mark chapter one. Okay, in Mark chapter one. Um, in Mark chapter one, verse sixteen. Very very familiar verses. Uh, maybe verses that you looked at for the first time when you know when you were not yet a Christian and you were studying discipleship and. Uh, you know, in Mark 1 and verse 16, uh, we read these words. Mark 1, 16. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, uh, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. Uh, at once they left their nets and followed him. Okay, and so the... Uh, uh, we, we, it, it always, you know... Certainly the first time I read before I understood that, you know, sort of the Gospels fill in for each other and present a complete picture together, the four Gospels. Before I understood, you know, from the Gospel of John that Jesus actually probably did know them and, you know, hung around with them and met them. And before this time, uh, uh, it was amazing to me that Jesus, you know, he met them and uh, uh, seemingly for the first time and said, come follow me. And up they, you know, they left their nets, they left their father, they... Off they went, and uh, uh, it appears he did know them a little bit, uh, but it's still pretty amazing. Yeah. Um, but, you know, at a, at a, at a deeper level, the, um, when it says they left their nets and followed him, there's a word that's used in the Greek from which we get an English word, um, which is the word acolyte. Okay. Sometimes the word acolyte is used in a, in a negative way, in a disparaging way, to mean a, a follower who, uh, you know, is, is, is just always trying to curry favor with, with you know, that, that sort of thing. But it, it's, it's a follower, okay, it's a follower. But when they heard that word follower, to them, it had a very specific meaning. Because Jesus was not the only rabbi that was going around, you know, uh, Israel, Palestine, whatever you want to call the general area. Um, in, in, in the period... Uh, it was not uncommon, and it was a great privilege, it was a great honor, if you would be called by one of the rabbis to follow them. And uh, they, you know, people, they considered it a great honor, people, um, uh, you know, they took so seriously the idea of learning from the rabbi. So the idea of learning from the rabbi was, you know, they, they had all these scriptures, they had the Torah, uh, you know, what we call the Pentateuch, they had all the law and the prophets and the wisdom literature. They had all the Old Testament. They had all their commentaries on the Old Testament and, uh, and so on and so forth. And the purpose of following a rabbi was um, to totally learn, to immerse themselves in learning from the rabbi how he interpreted the scriptures. Okay? Uh, how he interpreted, how he viewed, you know, because there were different views about how you interpret various parts of the scriptures, how he interpreted the scriptures. And even more, how he lived out the scriptures. And we don't understand today, so far removed from that time, how earnest and how serious um, the devotion to getting mentored was. Okay, getting discipled in our, in our you know, kind of in our language. Um, 
And uh, but it was very serious. It was it was such a serious endeavor that the kind of the humorists of that day and age, you know, the equivalent of cartoonists today, okay, would draw funny pictures uh, to you know make poking fun at the seriousness of these. Not, not the twelve disciples, but generally disciples following rabbis. So, for example, there is one picture uh, drawn that, that survives uh, from that period where uh, you've got a, a very old rabbi who's walking around the Judean uh, hills, you know, the countryside, and he's stooped over like this. And behind him is a succession of very young men. Okay? <laughs> But they're all walking the same way as, you know, even though they have no need to stoop over. They're young and, and you know, uh, healthy and everything. But the reason, that was just poking fun, but the reason that the, that could even be done is because of the enormous seriousness which, with, with which the Jewish people of the time took the, you know, looked at the vocation of following a rabbi. And th- so when they were called, it was a huge honor to be called by Jesus, to be selected from among many. And what they had in mind was, we are going to go, we are going to learn from this rabbi um, how he lives out the scriptures. We are going to immerse ourselves, we're going to look, we're going to study not just what he says, but how he lives. And, and we're, we're going to put it into practice. Okay, and so that's, that, that's, I mean, talk about association. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Alright, that's already pretty, whoa! That's pretty mind-blowing. I could stop right there, right? Um, and uh, so, so really, you know, uh, another word we use today is the word apprentice. Okay, and, and apprentice is what? Apprentice is not, you, when, you, when you go to university, you're just learning, um, you're learning head knowledge. You're listening to lectures, you're reading books, you're asking questions, you're writing essays, you're, you know. Um, but, but an apprentice learns where? He learns on the job. Okay, and... Um, and that idea, it's never totally gone out of fashion. I mean, there's, there's apprenticeships exist today, but they even exist in, 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 you know, beyond just signing on as, a, as an apprentice. The idea of workplace mentoring also exists today. There are, there are, you know, big four or big six accounting firms who, in addition to helping you, you know, when you come in for your first three years, in addition to helping you do the exams... Um, that will result in you qualifying as a chartered accountant or another kind of, They'll also assign you someone to mentor you. Yeah. Okay, and 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 and, um, and and that's something we take very seriously. Okay, and so so that's that's the idea that the, the disciple is seeking to learn, and there's a deliberate decision to learn from his teacher to focus on and intentionally learn, and uh, and then the teacher is being very intentional about taking this disciple under his wing and, and, and mentoring um, them. And uh, so, you know, with, with that in mind, some, some, of the, some of the scriptures make a whole lot of sense. You know, when, when Paul told the Philippians, Paul was a rabbi, when he told the Philippians, whatever you've learned from me, you know, whatever you've seen in me, whatever you've heard from me, whatever you've received from me, put this into practice. That's the background that he has in mind. Yeah, that's the mental picture that he has in mind. And uh, and so you know, Jesus uh, Jesus taught um, in that way. And um, you know, um, how did it go? Well, he he, he had a plan. He had, he had twelve men who, I mean, 
One of, one of the reasons why I believe and you believe that the Bible is, is really the Word of God is it's very transparent. So you see all the bumbling and the stumbling of those 12 fellas, right? One of them ended up being a, a traitor. But here we are today, 2,000 years later. The plan worked. Alright? So that, that plan, pour, Jesus pouring himself into those men worked. And his disciples absolutely, absolutely imitated that. Okay? They absolutely imitated that. Let's... Uh, uh, Paul was called later on as an, as an apostle. He wasn't there among the twelve. But, you know, let's, let's take a look in the book of Acts. Let's go to Acts 16. Um, um, well, you know, um, we're just going to sort of dip into various, various bits and pieces here. But, um, oh, by the way, I've got a couple of points today. Uh, I'm combining lessons. So I've got, I've got this lesson. Tomorrow I've got to teach the West, the West leaders. All right? And uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm combining lessons. You'll get a bit of their lesson and they'll get some of yours. <laughs> and, uh, it's associated. It's a different kind of association. But the first point, uh, the first point is called that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach. That's a very long point. Title. But it, it, comes, it comes from the, you know, there is, there is a verse, uh, maybe in one of the gospels, maybe in Luke, where, where it says that, you know, on one of those nights he went to pray and he prayed all night and then he, you know, appointed 12 of them apostles and called them that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach. And that's the association. But in Acts 16 um, and verse 1, it says that, you know, Paul came to Derby and then to Lystra where a disciple named Timothy lived uh, whose mother was Jewish and a believer but whose father was Greek. The believers at Lystra and Iconium spoke well of him. Paul wanted to take him along on the journey, so he circumcised him because we won't get into all of that thing. But, you know, but hey, he, he, he picked up this disciple. All right? And he, and he took, took him along with him. It was a young man who was spoken well of. And he took him along with him. In verse 6 it says, Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of uh, Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of, of Asia. Um, and then in verse 10, you know, it says, After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia. Which, you know, basically Luke joined the companions. So, it, you know, that's why it changes to, to first person, from third person. Um, uh, verse 11, from Troas, we put out to sea. Um, verse 13, we went outside the, the, the city gate. And, um, and, then, and then so on. You know, they're, they're in Philippi. Of course, there's a great, uh, there's a great persecution there. And, um, you know... What do you do in a persecution? You sing in prison. Just remember that. Yeah. Right? Just sing. And uh, there's an earthquake. And, uh, and, then, and then we get to chapter uh, 17, or let's say 1640. It says, after Paul and Silas came out of the prison, they went to Lydia's house where they met with the brothers and sisters and encouraged them. Then they left chapter 17 and verse 1, Acts 17, 1, when Paul and his companions had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia. They came to Thessalonica where there was a Jewish synagogue Things go well, but then there's um, a persecution, and um, you know, in, in verse nine it says, um, sorry, verse ten it says, as soon as it was night, the believers sent Paul and Silas away to Berea. So Paul and Silas leave. Apparently, Timothy stays behind, um, but then uh, you know, uh, uh, Timothy joins them at some point. And in verse fourteen, the believers immediately sent Paul to the coast, but Silas and Timothy stay at Berea. 
And then, you know, Paul goes off to Athens and leaves instructions for Silas and Timothy to join him as soon as possible. Paul's in Athens, and then in, in, in the beginning of uh, uh, chapter 18, then Paul's in, in Corinth, uh, and he picks up uh, Priscilla and Aquila, who become a part of his company. And in verse 5 of chapter 18, Silas and Timothy show up from Macedonia, uh, bringing with them presumably money, because at that point he stops making tents and devotes himself exclusively to preaching. Um, and uh, you know we could we could go we could go on and on uh, later in later chapters. Paul is there's a number of names mentioned. He's with Aristarchus and Secundus, Tychicus and Trophimus, Sopater and Gaius. Um, and, you know in the letters we read of Sosthenes and Titus and Epaphroditus. They absolutely picked up and Peter. You do the same thing with Peter. You know Peter uh, when he went to see Cornelius, he had six men with him, and part, part of the reason for that was. They were going to the Gentiles, and seven made a complete witness. But but he obviously had guys who were traveling around with him even before that point. That's who he took with him, you know. And so um, and so um, you know uh, you know they they absolutely remember. They remember the three years they had been with Jesus, and uh, you know they remember their time of apprenticeship with him. They put into practice everything they had learned, and so in a very real way, the gospels produced the book of Acts. Okay, so it is, when you read the book of Acts, it's kind of like large-scale history condensed into 28 chapters, 30 years or so, condensed into 28 chapters. But on, on, I believe on a day-to-day today basis, what they were doing was taking disciples around, along with them that they might be with them and that they might send them out to preach. Okay, they, they, they imitated... Um, they imitated Jesus. And um, so, I've got, you know, just three things. For sort of what you've gleaned from the book and, and, and some common sense things, things we see in the scripture. The, the, when it comes to training and learning by association, here's three challenges for you. You can make a list of more, but here's three things that I think are important. Okay? The first is, it's important to be eager. It's important to be eager. Obviously, uh, like I said at the beginning, it was a great honor to be, to be called by a rabbi. And you didn't take it lightly. You know, you, you, you absolutely were eager to, to, to learn. Uh, you took a lot of pride in, in being associated with, with that rabbi. And uh, it's important to be eager. There's a difference between being willing and being eager. Okay? Some things we're willing to do. We have to do it and we're willing, you know. And we pray for a willing spirit sometimes. Sometimes willing is, you know, about as good as it gets. But there's a difference between willing and being eager, all right? Uh, eager is, uh, is, is, you know, with enthusiasm. Um, being eager, though, being consistently eager, uh, comes from seeing a bigger picture and understanding your part in that picture. Okay, that the bigger picture is, uh, is that the Son of God loved us and gave Himself for us. And it, it, it's Paul so many times will, will talk back, you know, or, or, or write, remember back to, um, to what, what God had done for him in Christ. And at the end of the day, that's the, you know, uh, many of us, I, you know, some of you are, are, are younger Christians. I, I see many who've, who've been around through the years with me, you know. And, uh, and, and you guys, in, in the early, when, when you're asked to come into the, to the Bible discussion leaders meeting, and I was like, you know, you feel like you've arrived and everything. And you, you get given your first group to lead, and that's, it's all, it's wonderful, right? It's a, you feel so excited, you're, you're walking on air, and, 
Very soon you realize the glory doesn't last very long. <laughs> so it's, it's great to have someone you know who becomes a Christian and and he's sort of walk around and, and then by association you know there's a halo. Or he, he's just so fired up that it was it was you you know and people are asking you about it and very soon though there's there's you know there's there's fallaways as well as baptisms right there's people who become Christians there's people who leave there's then there's criticism there's there's blame there's what is it that sustains? You know, at the end of the day, if if we don't grow in uh, just in our conviction uh, and the realness to us, and that takes an effort, you know, to just remain convinced that the Son of God loves me. You know, God loves me. You know, the Son of God loves me. He loved me. He died for me. Uh, you know, Amen. I'm just good day or bad day. I'm just I'm giving back to God. You know. Um, and, uh, and and that he called us to be his ambassadors in the world. We really have, you know. I, I when I, when I was in university, I did my master's degree in development economics. If it, you know, if I hadn't if I hadn't become a Christian and gone into the full time ministry, that's probably what I would be doing with my life. Help just you know whatever helping helping the poor in some way. You know, not probably I don't know in what way. Uh, I was a pretty selfish guy. So, I, I can't imagine that it, I would have been, you know, greatly in the field, probably in an office somewhere, you know. Um, th- that's a good thing to do. But if I wasn't convinced that the best gift that I have to offer is, is the gospel, I, I wouldn't be doing my job. You know, I, would, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't opt to do the full-time ministry for, for me, you know. Um, then what else? What, there's nothing greater to give, and, and, but he calls all of us to be his, his ambassadors, uh, because everybody's everybody's looking for God's love. They can't tell you that. They, they, don't, they don't. Sometimes they don't. A lot of times they don't know that's what they're looking for. That's what people's looking for. If you if you, if you write down, if you if you do a survey and write down what the goals are of, of people that you know, um, you know, uh, if you translate those goals. What it eventually comes down to is uh, everybody wants to be accepted. They want to be accepted despite their dark secrets. All right, um, and they want to know that they're loved. But but you know, with some people people try desperately to, to sort of self-generate worth, but, but that doesn't work because our own you know our own opinions fluctuate and. You know, our own ability to validate ourselves is therefore very, is very, you know, we're emotional. And it, it's very, it's very limited. Everybody wants to be loved. Other people let you down after a while. So you think you've got these perfect relationships and, and then all of a sudden, even in the church. I, was, I did a follow-up study with a guy who was baptized in, uh, in December. And it was hilarious. <laughs> he was very open. He's a bit of an emotional guy. He's a you know, student at Brunel University. Great fella. But, uh, but, but he shared very candidly. You know, I, I said, man, every, everything about the church was wonderful. Everything. Now it's just it's kind of disappointing. You know, he's figured out all the other, everybody, the students around him and the other disciples are, well, welcome, we're all human. You know, welcome to the church, you know. And, uh, and, and but, but that was great. It resulted in, a, in just a great conversation, a great study, and, and, uh, and oh, but people need to realize, and we as Christians need to constantly, you know, come back to uh, realizing only in Christ, only in Christ do people find a God uh, who knows us to the depths and who loves us to the skies. 
And that's what we want. That's actually what every human is looking for. Just someone outside who says, I know exactly what you like, what you like, and I love you. You know, I, I think you're precious. Okay? That, but you only find that um, in God. People are wandering in confusion, looking for satisfaction in relationships, in knowledge, in money, in pleasure. No doubt you can think of other ways. Um, um, and so, you know, what's the bigger picture? God loves me. He's called me to be his ambassador. All right? I didn't start off being effective as an ambassador. So there's, not, there's nobody who's, who starts off that, that way. You know? Uh, sometimes we think we are. I, you know, I, I remember being convinced. I was in an in, uh, in international hall in the University of London. That was the, the Bible, Bible discussion through which I became a Christian. And uh, I was convinced that there were some things I knew better than Doug and Doug. You know, Doug Arthur and Doug Jackson. They were the two, my two leaders there, you know. And, uh, and in particular, I'll never forget, there was this one fellow, he was a PhD student from, from Kenya, and we studied with him a little bit. Doug Jackie told me, look, he's honestly, so we studied with him a bit, the guy's not open. He's not open, he, yeah, he talks, he's very religious and he talks, but he's actually not interested in changing. Of course, I knew better. <laughs> All right, I was, if I just love the guy enough, you know, and sit with him long enough, of course he's going to change, you know. So, I, but DJ, very wisely, you know, said, okay, that's fine, give him a shot. You know, but maybe you do this study, help me out. You know, I went in, three hours later, that was, that was, that was a long study, which, which he dominated, you know. Yeah. Pretty much he was studying with me, you know. And, uh, and uh, <laughs> nothing happened. Okay, and, but I had to learn. I need to be eager to learn. It doesn't, it's not, you know, there's, there's some things, actually, these people that have been down this road longer than me, that have, you know, that have, that have been, the outcome of whose way of life is, is fruitful, actually, they're worthy of my respect and my attention and my questions and my eager student attitude. You know? And so, the bigger picture helps us. Uh, the bigger helps us. One, one, of the, one of the best ways to learn is uh, brain studies. Bring studies to someone who's affected. Bring studies to your disciple. Find people and, and bring them. And, you know, it never, there's always new things to learn. There's always new things to learn. I, I learn now. When I, if I've got a, someone I'm studying the Bible with, but I, I get someone else involved and let them lead the study, invariably, I learn something. Invariably. I'm like, oh yeah, that was a good question. That was a great illustration. That was revealing, you know. Um... So there's, there's always, you know, brings, and when you're, when you're in that earlier phase, uh, bring studies, it's a, it's a great way to be trained. So firstly, be eager. Secondly, we need to be humble. Mm-hmm. It kind of goes with the first, but it's worth stating separately. Mm-hmm. Okay, we need to be eager. We need to be humble. There is true humility and there's false humility. Yeah. Yeah, Jesus told a parable about two sons. Right? And I, I know, I know for all you scholars, I know, partly he was hinting at the whole Jews and Gentiles. And, but, but even the, the face value uh, lesson from the parable is instructive. The, the first son said, the father told both the sons to do something. The first one says, I'll do it. But then he didn't. And the second son said, ah, I'll, no. You know, just, maybe we have children like that. No. <laughs> they learn the word no so quickly. Uh, they say no before they say yes. Um, you know, no. But, but then Jesus said, but he went and did it. And he asked the question, which one did what his father wanted? Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, it would have been even better if there was a third son who said yes and did it. <laughs> that's, that's actually that's the goal, right? But, uh, 
but but the point is, um, you know, God judges us by our deeds, right? I'm not talking about earning our salvation or anything like that. But but when you're when you're saved, God judges us. You know, the rewards that that, that come in the future. Um, how will God judge us? By our attitude, sure, but also by our deeds, right? And so, and I think that was the point Jesus was making. Um, and uh, and uh, and so, hum- humble on the inside, true humility. It means having the attitude of a servant. A servant doesn't think about what is due him. One of the most convicting stories Jesus told in Luke 17, where he talked about uh, sometimes the, the italics, the, the the subtitle that's inserted says the parable of the unworthy servant. You know, it's, a, it's the one. It's a the one where the master says, they've worked hard all day, and, you know, Jesus said, when they come home, is the master going to say, you know, um, uh, is the master going to say, hey, go eat your food? Won't you rather say, make my food first, you know? And, then, and that's not a parable about what God is like. It's not, not really about that, but it's about the attitude we should have towards ourselves, and it's very much the attitude Jesus had towards himself. So, I'm just a servant. He, you know, he humbled himself. He became obedient to death, even even death on the cross. Yeah. Um, and uh, and so, a servant doesn't think about what is due him. A servant thinks of the privilege that he's been blessed with. Uh, a servant thinks about how he can please God. Uh, Jesus, in humility, kept his eye focused on how he could please God uh, while he was a man. He didn't react to mistreatment, whether by friend or by foe. And even his friends deserted him. Right? Um, and so we, we need to be humble. We need to imitate that humility. And then thirdly, we need to be godly. Now, godly can be defined in different ways. So I'm going to define it. Okay, but of what I mean in this, in this lesson. I'm going to define it as being God-centered. Not the only way you can define it. Um, but it is a very important way. Um, the Bible says in Hebrews uh, uh, 13 that, that Esau was considered godless. Right, uh, because he sold his birthright. Funny story, right? In, in, in back in Genesis, and um, what was it about Esau's attitude that was godless or ungodly? Uh, I think it was that he didn't see his birthright for the gift that it was. He didn't embrace it. He didn't. He didn't value the gift that God had, had given him. Um, he didn't embrace his his gift and his calling. What you know. It's great to be given a gift. It's great to be given a calling. But they come with responsibility. Yeah. You know, Marriage is a tremendous gift. It's also a responsibility. Children are a great gift. They are a responsibility too. Right? Uh, uh, and, 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 you know, and, and so on. He, he, didn't, he didn't take responsibility. Uh, he didn't see his birthright as, as a gift from God. He didn't embrace his gift um, from God. He didn't take responsibility to do to do something for God with what God had given him. The, uh, the again the, the, the parable of the the bags of gold or the parable of the talents in the older NIV and uh, uh, in Matthew twenty five. Um, what, what's the lesson from that? Um, you know Jesus taught taught us not to be like the man with the, with the one bag of gold who went and buried his buried his bag of gold and then when called to account. His answer was, um, "You're a hard man. I knew you were a hard man. You know, 
harvesting what you haven't sown, and etc., etc., etc. And um, and the master said, you know, you 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 make you make a lazy servant. Let me judge you by your own words. Um, I think it's funny that story. I think the master would have been happy if that guy. The impression I get is if that guy had done anything other than bury mm-hmm. the valuable, you know, anything with it, just use the thing. You know, give you this, use it. Don't don't bury it. Um, uh, be you know be God centered. Just understand God is God is given. Now now I need to I need to I need to give back. Um, I need to respond to uh, just to that to that gift. Um, and so uh, and so you know I know for myself when I'm ungodly I focus on I focus on the negative. Uh, I focus on the the problems that come along. You know, I forget the gifts, I forget the opportunities, and I focus on all the problems that come with them. You know, I had a, uh, a day this week when, um, it was just one of those days, um, the, this, all my studies canceled their appointments, and uh, then I went to see uh, some disciples who I, who I thought were doing well, but they all decided to have a bad week at the same time. <laughs> Maybe you've had a week like that, all right? And, uh, and uh, of course, uh, well, my temptation was to, to join them in having a bad week. <laughs> hey, let's just have one more, you know. And uh, there seems to be a fashion this week. Um, but, you know, it struck me. It, uh, uh, and literally, it was, it was in order to discover this sequence of, um, of, 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 uh, of, of things not going well, uh, that I logged a lot of miles that day. So I would drive and then, lo- okay, now the study cancelled. Then I would drive a long way to you know this other group, and they were all negative at the same time. And then I drove, you know, it was literally it was one of those days. Like here, I was physically I'm tired. I'm driving around, and nobody wants to show up, and they're depressed, discouraged. One of them suicidal, you know. I'm like, okay, great. But I had a funny thought. There was one point, the weather wasn't great either. But while I was was walking in the London drizzle, uh, while I was walking in the London drizzle, I had had this thought. I thought, thought, you know, I could be stuck in an office somewhere, you know, with with, with nothing to do with my life uh, other than, I don't know, produce this month's results for my boss, you know. By the way, that's, if, if that's what you do do for a living, that's a good thing. But I bet you're glad that's not your purpose for life, right? Okay. And uh, and, uh, and you know, it struck me with, with with the appointments that didn't show up. I got some great extra reading done. You know, uh, I got some great extra time to pray. Um, and, uh, and you know, things looked up in the next day or two. So uh, as they usually do. And uh, and so, amen. I'm sure you could put together a longer list, but let me leave you with these. Strive to be eager, strive to be humble, and strive to be godly. Um, both in your discipling of others and your learning from others. Okay, this next point is uh, mainly for the West, but I'm going to tell it to you anyway. Uh, so let's, let's, we're in Acts 17. We actually have been going through the book of Acts in, the, uh, in our leaders' meetings, and uh, we've hit Acts, uh, Acts 17. And uh, so in Acts 17, again, I'm not going to read, read through it. But uh, so point number two is preaching the message to Jews and Greeks alike. Preaching the message to Jews. Okay, so point number one is that they, might, that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach. And preach what? Preaching the message to Jews and Greeks alike. And, um, you know, uh, so Acts 17 is, is, is pretty incredible. 
Uh, we, won't, we won't read through it. But uh, Paul starts off in Thessalonica, when he writes to the Thessalonians, we learn that despite the shortened visit, uh, it was a time when Paul really bonded with the disciples there, and they had, he had very effective uh, ministry. Um, and, uh, you know, to the Bereans, well, hey, they're the poster child for love of the Bible, and you know, that's the challenge we get at the end of the Word of God study, right? Eagerly read the scriptures and examine them every day. We tell them this is what it means to examine them. I love it. God loves studying the Bible with people. Uh, and, uh, and, and then he's in Athens, and, um, you know, he, he preaches that, that incredible. Uh, incredible message on, on Mars Hill to the, to the Areopagus. So preaching the message to Jews and Greeks, a couple of, couple of thoughts. Um, firstly, tell the story. Okay, tell the story. Um, you know, Paul taught in the, in the synagogues, in Thessalonica, in, uh, in Berea, and elsewhere. And he did a masterful job in, in connecting the prophets with, you know, with, with the coming of Jesus and the, and the purpose of Jesus' coming. Um, Paul also did such a great job in Athens, uh, talking to, to the Greek philosophers. He's got a couple of quotes in there from Epimenides and Aratus. Okay, so this is the, the whole, uh, whatever it was, from him, you know, in him we live and move and have, have our being. We, we are his offspring. Um, he, you know, he quotes from, from their authors. Uh, he points to the unknown God, you know, to, to, to point out their need to know more, more about God. And, uh, and, and you know, he, tell, he, tells them, he tells them the story. He tells them the story of Jesus. He was effective with Jews, with Greeks, with people from different backgrounds. He was effective in talking to them about how the gospel met their deepest needs. All right? Tell the story. Uh, this is something I'm, I'm going to say tomorrow. We've got, uh, we've got a number of people, maybe you do as well, a number of people who are, who are finishing up uh, A-levels or, or finishing up university and... Um, you know, or they're, they're about to go into a year of, of placements. And we've got other people who are in situations where they actually have a number of friends that they've invited out to things, but, but you know, maybe they've come sporadically through the years. And a challenge I'm going to give the West leaders tomorrow is uh, tell the story. Okay? Tell the story. If, if you're in your last year of uni and you have friends and they've never come to anything, and uh, or, or you're or you're in a situation where you've you've got someone and you've you've been friends with them friends with a neighbor for a long time, but but they don't seem to be interested in coming to church. Um, you can still tell them the story. You can still tell them the story. And so, you know, it's it's actually an ideal opportunity to say uh, say look, you know, we're, before before we part ways, and uh, I don't know, you know, you're going to go off to uni uh, or whatever. You're going to go to work and. Where I'm going to go, and who knows when we'll see each other. I just wanted to take a few minutes uh, to talk about, um, you know, the, the most important. I don't want to leave. I don't want us to, to, you know, leave uni without sharing the most important thing in my life. You know, and so, uh, you know, if even even a, a, a really simple uh, Romans three twenty three, you know. Uh, all of sin and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23 uh, The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Uh, a little illustration. Uh, like, one of the ones I like is the, is, is the bridge, you know. The, uh, it's, what, what does the Bible teach? You, you draw one cliff, and you put God, and another cliff, and you put us. You know, and the problem the Bible points to, even in just these couple of verses, 
is that there's a there's a chasm between us and God. And but what what Romans six twenty three says that there's also a gift. The gift is is, is that God sent Jesus. Um, and so how how is the chasm bridged? You just draw a cross. You know, this is what God did. He He created a bridge between us and Him. And you know, share share, share a little bit. Go with the flow. You can talk to them to the extent that they're willing to listen, and uh, uh, and, and and just say, hey, even if you left a bit, hey, if you're ever interested in, if you ever get to a point in your life where you want to know more, just be back in touch with me. Yeah. One thing this this has a context. One of the things that we're working on uh, in in the West is, is finding more ways to share the gospel. With people. Yeah. Okay, so we're working on on different 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 things, and so and so this is one of them, and this is something I'm going to share tomorrow. All right, is 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 that there's a there's a there's a sim- simple way to do it. So sh- tell the story, but also with that, sh- share your story. Yeah. Share your story. There's something we worked on in, in staff meeting a few weeks ago. Um, c- can you share your story? If you had forty five seconds, can you share your story? Okay. And one of the things we worked on in in staff, which was kind of fun. Maybe you guys can do it as an exercise sometime. Is, uh, is, is we, everybody took a, a, a few minutes to think about what, what are two words that describe me um, before I became a Christian and what are two words that describe what God's done in my life since then, the, the turnaround, okay? And uh, so, uh, so, for example, for me, the two before words are selfish and spiraling. So now this, the basic, if you'd known me before I was a Christian, you'd have said, nice guy. Reasonably successful, uh, got enough friends. He's probably going to do all right. But actually, I was really selfish. You know, I, I didn't particularly go out of my way to. I helped people incidentally. You know, if they if they needed me to carry a bag and they were there, you know. But I I didn't actually I didn't actually go out of my way to help anybody. I was just all about myself. Successful on the outside, but on the inside, spiraling. You know, I I, I, I my life was. Spiraling out of control. I, I knew there was more to life than what I what I saw. And the two afterwards, uh, two words that describe after are, are secure, because I figured out from the Bible God loves me. He sent He sent Jesus for me, and so I can be secure in, in God's love. Um, and then and then serving. Okay, not that I've arrived, but that's what God's done for me is to help me learn to be go from selfish. To serving, still a work in progress, but that's how I would tell the story. And you can, if you have one minute, you can tell it briefly. If you have three minutes, you can tell it a bit longer. But share your story. Okay, so that's a couple of things I'm going to share tomorrow in the West. Um, probably focus a bit more on that part than the first part. Um, although the associates, the association is is good, right? Yeah. Um, but uh, but amen. That's that's my lesson for today.